Thanks for joining us today on Open the Word with Circle of Friends. I'm Missy. I'm Beth. And I'm Gwen. Oh, yay! And you know what? <laughs> I I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do something here. We sometimes we're done with a podcast and it's over, but sometimes there's some lingering things after we're done. Like we're oh, we, maybe we should have talked about that. And so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna talk a little bit more about. Revelation. Gwen, you've been studying Revelation. We've talked about Revelation. And and this came up because we we talked talk about there's a point in time where Revelation describes how Satan is kicked out of heaven. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's kicked out of heaven. And Beth, you said some of our listeners are gonna say what? Wait a minute. I thought mm-hmm. Satan was already out of heaven. I thought he mm-hmm. I thought hell was his home. Well, and I'll be honest, like I realized in studying revelations and in literally letting scripture just say what it says mm-hmm. and piecing together the timeline. Now, I will tell you, precepts is a two-year study of four parts of the book of Revelation, and it's a behemoth to mm-hmm. do, okay? But it has been so incredible for our group. But the one thing that's been nice is that you don't start with your timeline. You build your timeline as you're observing the text, letting scripture actually say what it says and not going beyond what it actually says. Mm-hmm. And so we're in part four, and it's not even clarified purely where the rapture happens yet Mm -hmm. you know so we're still going okay so at what point are we gone where how long are we here for this into this process like what is this going to look like and so we haven't even had been able to clarify where we put the rapture on the timeline just yet Mm -hmm. okay which has been fascinating but one of the things that i've had to readjust was my understanding of that passage oh lucifer morning star how art thou fallen Okay, and the, the, the passage about him being kicked out of heaven and mm-hmm. him taking a third of the angels. Mm-hmm. Well, the way Kay has laid this out, it makes so much more sense. Passages like he is day and night before the throne accusing the brethren. Right, right. Okay, so we know he's in heaven. We know that he is prowling around the earth seeking whom he can devour. Well, how are both of those things true if he's been kicked out of heaven? Well, the answer is he has access to heaven. He's not been barred from heaven. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what's described is um, that he goes back and forth, like from one position to the other quite often and frequently. Um, And then if that makes sense of passages that you see in Job, where it talks about almost like it was that time where Satan would come up and make his accusations. And so it's almost like there are seasons where it's that time of year he's coming in, guys, you know, um, and he's going to stand before and he's going to say blah, 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 you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it, it builds a better picture of just how God stays in control of the world, including evil. Because the biggest thing I've seen modeled throughout all of this in Scripture is that at no time does Satan get complete and utter free reign over creation, over us, over the world, over anything. Mm -hmm. Never at any point is he given complete and utter God's hands off and he's allowed to do whatever he wants. There are always limitations put on every time you see an evil angel um, who's allowed to wreak destruction or havoc. There are always boundaries that are put around everything. Um, And so it's been beautiful to kind of see that big picture. But it also makes sense of Job, where God is described as um, 
asking to consider Job, consider my servant Job. But then the boundaries that he creates, that Satan can only do so much. Um, And so the bigger picture here has been pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I'm rambling, but does that make sense? And so I think what I had been taught is that Satan was kicked out of heaven at you know, and he goes into creation and then he shows up and, you know, and he causes havoc for all of mankind. Yeah. You know. And it, 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 I mean, and scripture describes him as the prince and the power of the air of this right. world exactly. that we live in. So he, and he does have power, but he doesn't have ultimate power. And Correct. he does have knowledge, but he doesn't have all, he's not omniscient. Yeah. He's not omnipresent. He's not, he's not any of those things that God is. He is yes. not God. Mm-hmm. He wants mm-hmm. to be God, but mm-hmm. he is not God. Correct. And, Honestly, doesn't this just give you a better picture of who God is and his love for his creation? Now, Lucifer is is a fallen angel, mm-hmm. so he's different than us, but still, if he allows him in his presence, isn't that saying that God, I mean, his compassion, his patience, his, I don't, it's just kind of amazing to me. It's not time. It's not time. So he That's is, the theme. He's waiting for that. So when yes. we look at things and we think, well, why did God allow that? Well, because he's not willing that any should perish. Except right? that the only thing I would say to that is that the angel and Satan that follows the angels that follow Satan are not given a chance to repent. Yes. That repentance is not offered of them. That's true. Because yeah. we're different. Right. It's, they're angels and we mm-hmm. are humans what is man that thou art mindful of him you know i mean that's what the psalmist is saying you know it's amazing that god should even consider that but we're given something that the angels are not you're right you're correct yeah Yeah. do we look up some of these passages because we're talking about a lot of them but not really looking them up well as as you're talking about revelation and just about you know the kindness of Mm -hmm. god i just had to think back to i think Several weeks ago, maybe we talked about Exodus 34, mm-hmm. and and um, when Moses said, "I, I want to see your glory," and and God said, "I will make all my goodness pass before you." The kindness of God is His goodness, mm-hmm. and He cannot be who He is not. And so, of course, that that goodness, that kindness, um, ex- that was from Exodus 33, Exodus 34. Uh, goes on to say, the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And then he says, "And If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. Uh, that whole stiff-necked people, then and now, then and now, Mm -hmm. we are the same, but so is God, right? All of those characteristics of God are true from Genesis through Revelation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you look at 
the whole of scripture from Genesis to Revelation and you let scripture just say what it says, oh, you get so much more proof that God authored the entire thing because there's no way that man could be this consistent Mm -hmm. over a period of 1,500 years, 40 different men, authors from all walks of life to teach this consistently and write this consistently on time, the timetable alone, Mm -hmm. Um, the character and nature of God, um, the character and nature of evil, Um, You know, just all of these major, major themes to the Bible, it's it's impossible Mm -hmm. outside of the inspiration, the God breath of it. Mm -hmm. Um, The passage that talks about uh, Satan falling is in Revelations chapter 12. Um, And this is at the halfway point, and there's some, some reasons for that. You know, as you've studied it, you would pick those out. And, and basically what you, you do is you're putting all of these passages on the timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that happens halfway through um, is that there is a war in heaven. Okay? This isn't the war on earth that happens later. This is a war in heaven. And um, so this is verse 7. There was a war in heaven, and Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough. Uh, there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down, the servant of old, who is called the devil, Satan, uh, who deceived the whole world, um, past tense, uh, sorry, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with them. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God, of our God and the authority of his Christ has come for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night, which is that passage of him being in heaven day and night before the throne of grace. Um, that's talked about in Hebrews. Um, and they overcame him by the because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. Okay. Now, I want you to um, back up a little bit to um, chapter 11. Um, let's see. And verse 19. Actually, we're going to go to 15, and I'm going to start at 15. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there was loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord, the Almighty, who are who were, and because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. And the nations were enraged, and your wrath came, and the time came for the dead to be judged, and the time to reward your bondservants, the prophets and the saints, and of those who fear your name, both small and great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. Okay, so um, basically what happens in heaven at that halfway point, okay, is that there's war in heaven, and God literally takes care of it. The angels fight. Satan and his demons are thrown to earth. Okay, at that point, the demonic activity on earth amps. Okay, and what's described is that it now becomes the great tribulation. Mm -hmm. Okay, at that point. Um, The other thing that happens is heaven 
the temple is opened in heaven. And one of the things that it says in another passage is that God's presence fills it with smoke so that no one can go in, which mirrors every other moment that he's opened a temple or a tabernacle on earth to dwell with his people. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're in heaven at that point looking on, watching this. Um, And so basically we're watching the temple for the next three and a half years because it says that the smoke fills the temple until the wrath is done. And what we know is that for the next three and a half years, the bowls of wrath, of God's wrath, the wrath of the Lamb, are poured out on the earth with lots of different consequences. But um, that literally for three and a half years, we're in heaven watching God literally have the angels pour out seven bowls or plagues on the earth of God's wrath. And at the last one, at the seventh one, it says the wrath of God is finished. Mm -hmm. And at the first one, it says the wrath of the lamb has come, Mm -hmm. is here. Um, And so it's this idea that the wrath of God is saved up against sin and ungodliness and against the earth and against um, Satan and, and those who have caused destruction of the earth. And so for those seven and a half years, or sorry, the last three and a half years is literally God finally opening up that wrath and dishing it out in justice. Oh, and then at the end, there's, there's a boundary that there is a moment when that wrath is finished. And we don't have to fear any of that because we're with Christ who took our place, who appeased that wrath for us. Romans twelve nineteen is running through my head. Beloved. Do not avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Is it Ephesians that talks about us being objects of wrath? Mm. Yeah, before Christ. Mm-hmm. And then after we become, we become children, his kids. It's been a true blessing to look at it. And Revelations is the one book in the entire Bible that its readers are promised blessing by just reading it. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it is Ephesians 2, 3 that um, by nature we were... Uh, Objects of wrath. Uh, children of wrath, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, I mean, just to look at this and to realize, like, uh, the big picture of everything, and that's not even the end of it. You know, you've got the millennial reign of Christ on the earth, and, and then you've got the ultimate Bema seat, the ultimate seat of judgment, where both the living and the dead are judged, the Christian and the non-Christian, um, you know, are judged. As believers, we're judged with what we've done with our lives and how we've lived before a holy God. Um, you know, and our judgment, we receive crowns based on mm-hmm. how we've done. So ours is reward-based because at that point, our punishment's been paid for. Um, but everyone who has refused Christ and has, you know, uh, journeyed into eternity, essentially, um, just putting a face in the hand of God going, no, I will not. Um, they stand before that holy living God to receive eternal justice that was never meant for them. It, I mean, the the lake of fire, that eternal resting place, was designed for Satan when he rebelled, when he desired to take God's spot. That was designed to be the place he would end up with all of his followers for eternity. That was his punishment. It's not meant to be ours. Mm-hmm. 
And that's why we get, you know, it was, God is not willing that any should perish, Mm -hmm. but that all should come to repentance because that place wasn't designed for us. Yeah. And Jesus chose. And Jesus chose. He chose to appease God's wrath, to satisfy it, to present himself before a holy God and say paid in full. Jesus, plus nothing else. Jesus and Jesus alone. Not not our works, although once we recognize his love for us, we want to serve him. We want to do his will. But none of that can save us. Jesus. Jesus alone. I, I, I sit there and I just... I am overwhelmed by that love because, as the psalmist said, long before Jesus came as the Son of Man, who is man that you are mindful of him? Yeah, who am I? Who are we? Why? What kind of love is this? You know, Beth, um, and just thinking about some of what you said about Caiaphas's house and, uh, and the... Uh, the events that took place of the crucifixion beforehand of just Jesus being tortured and um, and just the nature of Caiaphas, the high priest at the time, and, and very mafia, very um, very much a mafia mindset it, that Caiaphas's family had controlled um, the Sanhedrin and the position of high priest for generations. Um, and so it very much was a godfather-type environment. One. And the evil in the heart of man, for the sake of us, mm-hmm. allowed to do that evil was allowed to establish that pattern because it was the perfect setting for a Messiah to be crucified. So even that evil was used and allowed to do something for a purpose. I want to read you one of my favorite verses I found in Revelation. Um, And it's, I'm going to go up to do verse 14 so that I have some context for this for you. But it's um, Revelation 17, and it's actually verse 17. Um, But I'm going to start at 14. And um, it's it's talking about the kings, the ten horns, the ten kings that will recite, that will um, rise up and... Uh, at the end of verse 12 and 13, it's talking about that they'll receive authority as kings from the beast for one hour. And these have one purpose, and their purpose is to give their power and authority to the beast. Verse 14 says, these 10 kings will wage war against the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them because he is the Lord of lords and king of kings. And those who are with him are called and chosen and faithful. That's us. And verse 15, and he said to me, the waters which you saw the harlot sits on are the peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw and the beast, these will hate the harlot, which is Babylon, and will make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and will burn her with fire. And so basically what's going to happen is the nations of the earth and those 10 kings are going to turn on Babylon um, and they're going to destroy her themselves. Okay. And then verse 17 is my favorite for God has put it in their hearts to execute his capital H 
purpose, by having a common purpose, and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. I want you to sit with that until the words of God will be fulfilled because scripture will accomplish what it is sent out to accomplish. It will not return void. And so that is the theme from Old Testament to New is that Jesus was so careful to fulfill all of the prophecies in the Old Testament because God has put it in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. That is the entire theme of the entire scripture for me, is that the story throughout time, he uses whomever he wants Mm. to accomplish his purpose, no matter what purpose they have. And it goes all the way back to the end of Genesis, doesn't it? What you intended for evil, God purposed mm-hmm. for good. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it just ties it in a bow, doesn't it? it Genesis to Revelation. It's all about God accomplishing mm-hmm. his big story. Mm-hmm. And it will happen in time. There are those who will say, oh, that's, that's unfair. God uses people. He only uses the choice that we have made. Yeah. God gave us free will. Mm. Good point. And yes. he will use our lives for his glory and honor. And his purposes. I come back to a saying I heard many years ago. You're always an example. A good example or a bad example. And I would also say we always have a choice to make. The good choice or the wrong choice. The right choice or the wrong choice. Choose God. Choose his plan, his purpose, his way, his truth. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd love to hear from you, so find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or send us an email to openthewordpodcast at gmail.com. Is it time for you to plan a day trip with your peeps? Come and stay a while at Shia Market in Berlin. There is something for everyone, no matter what your taste or style may be. Visit the Village Gift Barn for your custom floral arrangements and timeless accessories for your home. Stroll upstairs to Shia's Style Boutique for your perfect outfit. Everything from accessories to shoes. Be inspired at country gatherings with decor from Modern Farmhouse to transitional design. Then meander through the gardens for a large selection of houseplants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed.